0: The Eyes to the Left. Hello, and welcome to Eyes to the Left, the Mirror's regular political podcast. My name is Jason Beatty. I'm head of politics at Daily Mirror, and I'm joined by Alison Phillips and Nicola Bartlett, and we are going to discuss Prime Minister's questions and the other major political events taking place in Westminster. And there is only one subject out there at the moment. It is a feverish atmosphere down in Parliament. The MPs are only talking about the allegations of sexual harassment, intimidation, assault and bullying. And we should say they vary in scale. Some are horrific um, and deeply shocking. Um, and some are less serious, we could say. But it's they come together. It's showing yet again Westminster in a particularly bad light. And obviously... It was we thought going to dominate today's prime minister's questions, but it didn't, did it, Nicola?
1: No, I think um, although it was acknowledged at the start, Jeremy Corbyn um, made a deliberate choice to to talk about tax avoidance instead, which I don't I don't think anyone was really expecting those to, that to be his line of questioning, um, and it was difficult to see whether he was kind of gaining any traction with that because it seemed so kind of left field um, obviously related to the finance bill um, which is going through parliament but it didn't it didn't seem to sort of tap into the mood in the way that he has done in recent weeks with his questions on universal credit
0: Yep, so we had a brief statement at the top of Prime Minister's questions. The, the Prime Minister first acknowledged the terror attack in New York and then she mm. said, I am now holding a meeting next week with the main party leaders to discuss a new grievance procedure. And that was kind of it. Very perfunctory, because Alison was, why won't they want to discuss it?
2: Well, it seems that on all sides at the moment there is still a real nervousness about this this whole subject because they're, there's still uncertain as to how deep it's going to go and how wide it's going to spread. Um... But they're really going to have to grab hold of it now because it really isn't going away. Um, Every day there seem to be more allegations, uh, more serious allegations. And it's not going to be a party political thing, it's across the board and they're going to have to grab hold of it. I mean, I think um, Theresa May has now said not only is she going to set up this independent panel, she's also encouraging victims to go to the police. Well, clearly, obviously that's what's going to happen. But there's got to be the real confidence that this is now being dealt with seriously. And and I think one of the women who made an allegation um, yesterday that she was pushed onto a bed in a hotel room has said that the people that she spoke about when the incident happened are now the ones that are actually being put into trying to clear this mess up. So so she's got no confidence at all. And why should anybody else if she hasn't?
0: And and this is part of the problem. We have a a Hmm. kind of institutional problem in Westminster of a a very, some would say, old-fashioned culture yes. but also no proper procedures you'd see in most other companies nowadays yes
2: i mean most other companies there'll be a clear hr policy um so if, if, if any allegation was made it wouldn't be a question of somebody saying oh just keep it quiet because you know it's not going to do you any favors there would then be um, a policy that any allegation, such as this had to be taken to escalate to the next level and looked at seriously so so you've got that problem you've got no proper hr structure but on on top of that you've also got um a what remains a fairly blokey culture, haven't you?
1: Yeah, I mean, the the initial problem is that um, staff who work for MPs are employed technically directly by, well, I think technically they're self-employed, but they're employed directly by the MPs. So, as you say, there's no HR structure. Potentially, if, if it's your boss who's the a person who is uh, accused of... You know, sexual harassment or, or worse, you who do you go to? Because they're the ones who actually employ you. So mm. you're you're very much kind of trapped in the situation, and there's a kind of blurring of the lines between people who work for MPs, also kind of campaign for MPs. Might have come up through um, the youth wings of of, mm. of um, the political parties. Might be ambitious to go on further in in politics. So I think. Um, Kate Maltby's um, article in the Times today, um, where she was alleging that uh, Damien Green had acted inappropriately towards her. At
0: which point, we should say very clearly Damien yeah, Green has, has said denied these it. allegations are completely untrue.
1: Um, as part of that, she, she talks about him being a family friend and her wanting to meet up with him. Um, I think mutually agreed, and um, she was perhaps interested in pursuing a career in politics. So, when he may have acted inappropriately,
2: she didn't immediately think that she could do anything about it. Yes, and where'd you go? The parallels between politics and showbiz are fascinating. Mm. And it's, as with showbiz, you get a lot of young people going to politics because they love politics, they're fascinated by it, they want to be around it, it's the drama, mm. it's the intrigue. And so, when something dreadful happens to them, not only have they not got a support network to fall back on, they're just—they just don't want that dream to come to an end. And by reporting what's happened, that's part of what's going to happen. But
0: this makes them more and more vulnerable, doesn't yes.
2: it? Yes, and it's exactly the same as we saw during the whole of the Jimmy Savile, all the DJs, all—and it's extra, what is extraordinary is after we went through all of that a couple of years ago, we're now going through it again. Well, look, I mean, I'm
1: talking to to people who are working in in MPs' offices who have allegations against MPs who still don't want to to raise it or come forward. But at the same time, they're worried that this is going to be pushed under the carpet and not dealt with, and especially this kind of conflation between um, if there are... Basically, in reference to this so-called dirty dossier, which Mm. is doing the rounds at Parliament... Which um, we don't know its exact provenance, but it's believed to be compiled by Tory staffers, who um, who have kept lists of, of things that, that people have done. Now, some of those things are are really awful and illegal. Some of those things are um, relationships between yes. MPs, consensual relationships. Yeah, consensual yeah. relationships. So the worry, I think, from from a lot of people working Westminster. Is that it? it will all going to get bundled in together, yeah. and that might dismiss the very, as you've said, the very kind of problematic power dynamic, which mm. is underpinning
2: a lot of these. Problems. Which is, it's always that power paradigm underneath all sorts of sexual abuse. But I think that whole dirty dossier has been called is in very unfortunate for want of a better word in that it has mixed up so many things some of which are entirely consensual mm. and absolutely fine other things which might be an extramarital affair which is possibly not ideal but it's not criminal mm. and it's not it's not it's not terrible but and and then it's led to this sensation which seems to be becoming the narrative that it's all a terrible witch hunt but yes let's have a witch hunt for proper sex pests let's get them out but but not for people that are having affairs or just having perfectly sort of consensual relationships and
0: the danger is it diverts the focus it, it, away from a genuine al- victims it, who needs support and it allows
2: that narrative that always comes out after sex offences that it's just women and they, they need to man up a bit and they shouldn't be so snowflakey and, and that this sort of stuff's always gone on they should just give them a slap no women shouldn't have to give anybody a slap men should, shouldn't be doing it yeah. there's a
1: real sort of I think in the reaction to this as well there's a real sort of generational divide yeah. um, especially in the media in terms of some of the older women who are saying well I had to deal with it yeah and, the Anne Robinson know, sort of yeah, argument Sarah Vine's column today Absolutely. Um, that you should sort of brazen it out and you should have the um, the wherewithal to, to be able to speak out now maybe some women can do that whether they should have to or not women well, I shouldn't have to question. do that
2: and it shouldn't be <sighs> Succeeding in your career shouldn't be just about how tough you are or how prepared you are to go into physical combat with some fella. It's to do with how talented you mm. are at your job. And I think that's why this argument always gets muddled. And again, it's now happening in politics.
0: And the other part of this is you then deter people who want to go into politics mm. to be good at it or any other profession for that matter from yeah. doing that. Yeah. So I, mean,
2: I think the problem as
1: well is that, that women and women do this naturally in a lot of environments is that they they um, kind of self-censor or they they yeah. judge themselves whether situations are going to potentially be problematic. Yes. So whereas a male colleague might go for a drink with somebody more senior, yes, get advice, get mentoring, yes. you know, be in the loop as it were. Are, are, what are we suggesting? Is it is it up to the woman to say, oh, yes. I shouldn't potentially put myself in y- a problematic yes. situation, thereby possibly harming her career? There's you know there's huge problems which are, have existed for years. This is a situation. really interesting
0: point because I as you know I worked in Westminster for, for sixteen years and the the way it operates from a journalist's point of view is mm. that the you know the, the currency is drinks, it's yep. lunches, yep. it's you know, it's meeting MPs to make contacts, who then you hope give you stories. Yes, and you know it, that can be quite laddie at times, mm. but it also it's a kind of you know it's a one to one thing. So you know, you're a young woman. That's you're putting yourself in then possibly a difficult situation, which you shouldn't have to put yourself in.
2: Yes, it okay. is, and that um, and they've tried to do things, haven't they, within Parliament to make it more inclusive. Mm. But there's there's obviously still a, a long way to go. Yeah, and probably worth saying that.
1: Or also heard of instances with young men as well. So it's yes, but because not again, used. it comes
2: down to the power, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and that's definitely. what's being
0: used. Now, do we think the response of the main party leaders has been sufficient on this? I mean, you know, as we should, you know, they, people now accept this is a problem across parties. You know, the horrific stories coming out from Labour, there's terrible stories coming out from Conservatives, the SNP, Lib Dems have got a history here as well. You we go back to Lord Renard, So none of this is unique to any one party. Are we satisfied with the response?
2: I, I, I'm not satisfied with the response. I think um, initially there's been a lot of um, people covering from for their own um, the response on Jared. I mean that was well. It, it, said, it said it was a it was a similar sort of thing, but slightly different. What well, wasn't sufficient and it wasn't quick enough. I think this is Jared, Jared Amar,
0: the yes. Sheffield MP who replaced Nick Clegg, who made the misogynistic comments. Yes, so that so.
2: was more comments rather than actually doing anything. But that was sort of that kind of was bubbling wasn't it a fortnight or so ago Mm. um and then since then i mean we've got mrs may who seems well she's paralyzed in most things but she's certainly paralyzed in a lot of these names that are coming up um i mean damien green again he's denying it so it's very difficult for her because he may be entirely innocent but people need to see action they need to have confidence and what the parties really need to do and they have said they're going to do this is they need to sit down together they need to change the systems they need to introduce a new culture it's it's parties can make a difference within their parties but it's the whole culture of Westminster that's going to have to change
1: I think it was interesting today at Prime Minister's Questions with the point that Lisa Nandy raised. This is the first
0: one question which kind of unsettled the Mm. Prime Minister, I thought.
1: Yeah, completely. And she was saying that she has raised the, I mean, particularly the issue of the whips culture in Parliament. and the idea that they are the kind of disciplinary uh, wing of each party, and traditionally they would kind of keep notes of of people's misdemeanours so that they could um, encourage them to vote the right way, as it were. Um, And she was referring to... um, I think she brought this up in the House Commons in 2014 um, in reference to a documentary which showed one of the whips from um, Ted Heath's government who admitted... It was a kind of documentary about the system. Yes. And he'd admitted that they um, they knew all, all the bad things that people had done and, and um, quite sort of... Um, was in in quite sort of blasé manner, said that, that might be getting into debt or it might be problems with little boys. Um, yes. Obviously implying, uh, you know, sexual abuse. And Lisa Nandy said today that she brought it up with the Prime Minister three times, including, I think, writing to her, um, and that there had been no response. Um, and I think, you know, just the way that that, that she said that kind of, did send a kind of shockwave through through the commons because, you know, there was kind of that's almost irrefutable proof that it has been brought up before and not not dealt with.
0: Yeah, and as you say, the whips here are, are, are crucial. They're responsible for party discipline, they're responsible for getting MPs to to, to vote in line with the parties and they have this very odd dual role because they're meant to be also responsible for pastoral care mm. so they do discipline on one side and pastoral care and those two are incompatible and as you say information in those instances is leverage because they can use the dirt they know on MPs to force them to vote in a particular way and to be loyal to their, their party which is a, almost an abuse of power now this yeah. is not new but it's it's been going on for a long time, and again, it's it's part of a kind of slightly rotten, antiquated culture of of, of Parliament.
2: Mm. It, it is interesting that I think um, in Hollywood and and then now in, in politics, in that why is this all coming out now? Now, okay, there's been a couple of cases which have led to um, a domino effect, but also you can't get away from the idea that, that the, the the politic that the power. Uh, is shifting so there are more women in parliament now there are more women in senior roles in we have Hollywood. a
0: record number we finally it's, got to the case, case this year we actually have more women elected than there have been but yes you we know, the other previous elections yes. I mean, that's how it's, it's taken but,
2: but and I think that is what's that sort of what's kind of led us to where we are now because people are speaking out because they realise that the power is shifting and um, it's not just talking about the power of the individual men, it's the it's the power within the system and within the culture is, is shifting and that means that you get to a tipping point where it's ripe for change and that's yeah. why it's interesting that people are m- more likely to come out.
1: I think there's also a kind of uh, more broader shift to believing victims in yes. these kind of issues. Yes, yeah,
2: societally, yeah. And
1: also with the advent of social media there is more power given to people kind of at the bottom or not. Yes. I mean, I suppose the flip side of that is the danger of this witch-hunt yes. idea. But I think it, it does mean... I mean, things like these WhatsApp groups that a lot of people who work in Parliament would be a member of, it's very easy to share information yes. and compare and contrast. And, if you know, if you see a pattern of behaviour, I think the way in which people communicate and it, it's kind of helping um,
2: bring these kind of things to light, really. And for people... Because, again, a big reason why people never... Um, make complaints about things because they think it's just them and they're on their own if you feel that you're not at all alone then that's much more secure position to be in
0: yeah i do think you make a very crucial point i mean it's you know the parliament has changed dramatically from when i first arrived and it still felt a very tory kind of private school yes kind of hogwarts part oxford College place (laughs) Uh, and, and you know now it's much more diverse in its representation there's a lot more women it feels younger it's got a long long way to go it still doesn't look like London for instance yes uh, and you know the representation is still from a very privileged kind of background majority of MPs there, but it feels better mm. and there is improvements and I think you know hopefully that will bring changes
2: it's the, the question I guess is where this particular episode ends what do you think
0: well but. Difficulty for Theresa May here is, is, and to a certain extent for Jeremy Corbyn, particularly for Theresa May, she's in government, is they're not in control of it. Mm. And that's what they really found difficult with the scandal, scandals, where one of the analogies of this works is that they don't know where the next piece of information is going to come from or what form it's going to take. Mm. Now, they'll be praying there's no more, mm. but they just can't guarantee that. And then it becomes very political and um, because the people so far involved who've been named yes. are particularly Damian Green are, you know he's Theresa May's closest ally she, he's basically restored her confidence and restored yes. the, the fun- ability of Downing Street to function after the election debacle so she doesn't want to lose him and if she does have to lose him uh, you then have a you're know, talking about reshuffle territory mm. and that means you then destabilize the whole government in terms, yes. which is already kind of buckling under the pressure of Brexit anyway. So the the, the big there are big big stakes at this place here. I mean, I don't want to kind of in any way kind of you know minimise the damage of the victims of this. But I'm just saying yeah, on a big yeah, political picture. Absolutely. it's fascinating. Um, so but as I say we just don't know because no. you know in the next five minutes some new allegation could take place which could you know be on a different scale to, to what we've had before
2: and also I mean the Damien Green one is, is is interesting because you've got a named woman who's made an accusation and then we've got his absolute flat denial now I don't know how you take that forward from that point I mean if she were to go to the police possibly I don't even know whether that would be pursued by them I mean the chances of some kind of criminal conviction I would imagine are fairly slim Um, so at that point where does that leave with Theresa May I mean he's not you know, he can argue, I haven't done anything wrong. So does she just, on what grounds could she
0: move him? Well, Anna Subi was quite interesting with Tory MBA. It was quite interesting on this because she was saying, I used to be a kind of uh, an employment barrister mm. and the, the normal HR practice yes. in a firm is you, even if you're completely innocent, you step aside while the investigation yes. takes place. Yes. Again, in Parliament, these rules don't apply, mm. was the, which I thought was quite interesting. And I
1: think as well, the, the issue is with, with the alleged Damien Green... Um, situation is is there is a text message which mm. he does not dispute but he disputes the interpretation and the context of it, of it yeah yes. and the context and that's what makes um issues around sexual harassment so difficult because yeah. that is either what somebody truly believes or it is a very good way of of, of getting mm. out of a situation
2: i mean you you hope that something of is some of the um women who have made complaints feel that some form of justice is done either internally or in, in the courts but beyond that you would hope that there is a new set of rules established and that people just realise just behave I mean yeah one of the things that, that Yvette Cooper suggested today on, mm.
1: um, on the today's programme was um, having uh, an independent body so she was suggesting that, that the any Party could have a charity or another independent body so that you weren't in danger of reporting um, any allegation to somebody who might know the perpetrator or have any connection with the perpetrator which I think sounds like a start but my worry would be if they introduce rules um, in theory to protect um, potential victims is that it will end up hurting women or people in vulnerable position because those meetings or those conversations will still happen but they just won't uh, happen officially it will be let's have a quiet drink somewhere else rather than but how doing come it on parliamentary
2: time. Other organisations, other businesses can manage to do it but they can't but the MPs can't. In fact, I, in, in some ways I think this whole idea of having an independent body that could go to isn't that slightly overcomplicating it? Don't they just need to just have something internal which is robust
0: and... I, don't need that. I, I think I, I think it's partly they've just lived outside the normal rules for so long. Yes. Why don't they just have an HR department? You know, they talk about the Westminster Bubble as a kind of, you know, political entity, but it actually is a village down there. It's you know, you are locked in this this building. You know, you have special passes to get in, you've got hairdressers, bars, restaurants, post offices, you know, you are in this little kind of kind of you know, kind of own little kind of semi sphere. and they then behave in a way which is most normal people we, behave. Yes,
2: yes, yes. And
0: then throw into that, this very heady mixture of of, of risk and power. Yeah, you know, they are.
2: And alcohol. And alcohol. An they an are issue. natural
0: risk takers. They politicians. Are. They, mm-hmm. they, you know, they've taken a great gamble to get the job in the first place. So, uh, and. And also, you think very, very important, but all highly ambitious. Yes, you know, even with some of the lowliest backbenchers I've met, who I would kind of, you know, dismiss. I wouldn't even let open my kind of mail for me because I thought <laughs> they so incompetent. Still think they could be prime minister. Yeah. <laughs> it's yes. fascinating.
2: Yes, and it yeah. which just means that it's been ripe for these kind of allegations to to come forward. And, and as we know, that these yeah. sort of things have been going on, but but now they've got to be tackled, haven't they?
0: Yeah. That's a really interesting conversation, mm. I thought. I'm kind of, kind of very different to some of the other podcasts we've done yes. in nature. But, 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 but I think the subject kind of merited it as well. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, kind of, and for once, we've barely mentioned Brexit, which must be a first. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> a relief. <I> guess. <laughs> that's <laughs> absolute <laughs> relief. Yeah. Um, anyway, thank you very much for that. Alison, um, you're on Twitter as?
2: Um, Admiral Alison.
0: And Nicola.
2: Nicola R. Bartlett.
0: I am at JBT Mirror. Uh, You can download the post for podcast and register and give your views at uh, www.mirror.co.uk forward slash eyes. That's A Y E S. Thank you very much for listening.